Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. New COVID modeling data. What we are doing is working, but we cannot let up. The most encouraging trend as we head into the holidays. Christmas in the COVID ward. I know there's going to be people that say, hey, we're going to break the rules. We'll be okay. We'll do it quietly. And really, it's the wrong thing to do. The message from healthcare workers missing their families. And so much for staying home. The message from us should be crystal clear. Stay local and only travel when it's essential. What the mayor of Whistler says about big crowds at local ski hills. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good afternoon and thanks for joining us. Provincial health officials have revealed some new trends in the latest modeling data today. We'll show you where BC is heading in its COVID-19 fight in just a moment. First, let's take a look at today's numbers. We have 518 new cases, bringing BC's total to 48,028. Sadly, 19 more people have died, and that means we have now lost 796 people to complications of the virus. 348 people are in hospital, 80 of them in the ICU. 36,952 people are considered recovered. We're now left with 9,137 active cases and 9,723 people in self-isolation. Now let's get to that new COVID modeling data unveiled today. Projections going into the holidays show numbers are trending in the right direction. And we have the potential to flatten the curve significantly if we keep up with what we're doing. But as Keith Baldry reports, we're on the eve of two tests that could spiral us in the opposite direction if we don't follow the rules. We did hit a peak around mid-November and we've now started to slowly decrease. As we approach the holiday season, some good news on the COVID-19 front in BC. This graph released today shows our daily case numbers are slowly but surely dropping. We had an increasing rate of positivity into November and we've now started to see a decrease. And that has been particularly apparent in Fraser Health, in Interior Health and in the North. This graph shows what's happening in three key categories. The green line is the number of daily cases. The blue line represents hospitalizations. And the red line are the number of deaths. All three are starting to go down, particularly after the new restrictions were put in place. We saw a continued increase for the first two weeks, not surprisingly, after the orders were put in. But what this does show us is that when we adhere to these orders, those case numbers do come down. And that is incredibly important for us to recognize. One of the most scrutinized areas right now is our school system. Information released today shows how relatively few cases of COVID-19 have been tied to schools. 
This chart shows the schools in Vancouver Coastal. Pink represents all of the schools. Purple is the number of positive cases among students and staff. Violet represents actual transmissions in schools, less than 20 cases. If we look at the general population, about 7% or 7 in 100 tests are positive. But if we look at the school-age population, that's much, much less. So even though 1% of school-age children have been tested, fewer than 7 in 1,000 or less than 1% actually test positive for COVID-19. But today also brought a warning. Things can go downhill very quickly if we do not continue to limit our interactions with people. These graphs show what can happen. The top two graphs show our case numbers would continue to decline if we have less than 50% of our normal interactions. The bottom two show how quickly things can get out of hand if we don't. We need to be cautious because we can very easily, the scenarios that the model shows us is that it would not take much for us to get back into um, a danger zone again. So it seems we are starting to slowly flatten the curve once again, but we're still a long way from total success. If we ever get there, it may well depend on how people behave over the next two weeks. All right, Keith Baldry joins us with more on the modeling data. Keith, Dr. Henry talked about that R rate. Explain to us what the R means and how it factors into the spread. Yeah, this is something nobody even really thought of before the pandemic. What's the R number? What's the R rate? It's the reproductive rate. It's the number of, of infections that are associated with one particular infection. And the goal is to have less than one person infecting one more. Here's the graphic that released today. The line there shows over one or below one. We were over one in November by a significant amount. That's very troubling because the, uh, the doubling can occur very quickly. At the very right there, you suddenly see we've dropped below one for the first time in a long time. That's very encouraging. If we can keep it below one, if you're infecting less than one person uh, in terms of infections, that means the virus will eventually die out. It just can't spread quickly enough. Over one means it can double and spread very quickly. Dr. Bonnie Henry addressing that point today. Once you're below one, that means that on average, an individual who's infected does not pass it on to anyone or passes it on to one person or less. So that is where we are now. We have just come down slightly below one and we're hovering there, which means what we are doing is working, but we cannot let up. Now, if we let up or not, we're going to know that in the first week of January because the uh, uh, coronavirus generally shows up about with symptoms five to seven days after you actually contract it. So the first gatherings potentially Christmas Eve, you do the math, five to seven days after that takes us in to the last week of December. Then the test will begin the following week in January. If our test numbers start going up beyond what they are now in early January, that means we didn't follow the rules and we're mm -hmm. off to a new higher levels of infection. So hopefully we don't see more than 600 cases a day in the first week of January. If we do, it's bad news. Mm -hmm. Fingers crossed, Keith. Thank you. Right. Everything crossed. All right. Health Canada has greenlit a second vaccine for use in the fight against COVID-19. The Moderna vaccine has been found to be up to 94% effective in protecting people from the virus after two doses given 28 days apart. Health Canada confirms it is safe for use in people over the age of 18 and it does not produce any major side effects. Unlike the Pfizer vaccine, which has very strict cold storage requirements, Moderna's shot stays stable in regular freezers, making it a lot easier to distribute. Delivery to the territories, remote indigenous communities and long-term care homes will be the priority. Now that Health Canada has approved the Moderna vaccine, we have the green light 
to start rolling it out across the country. The first doses of our guaranteed 40 million dose order from Moderna will arrive in the coming days. Canada is on track to receive 1.2 million doses of both the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines by the end of January. There is some good news for people frustrated by having to provide additional information while applying for the BC Recovery Benefit. Rumina Dea reports. You're not crazy or computer inept. Chances are you likely did the right thing. It appears a technical glitch may be the reason why thousands of British Columbians are frustrated trying to access the recovery benefit up to $1,000. Global News has learned up to 100,000 applicants may have been placed under additional scrutiny because of outdated Canada Revenue Agency data possessed by the province. The benefit is based on your 2019 tax return. It appears that the original unadjusted tax notices were not matching up with the CRA's reassessed notices. So what happened? When will you get your money? And how much more information do you need to provide? A spokesperson with the Ministry of Finance would not answer specific questions, only stating in an email that ministry staff are working over the holidays to manually process applications as quickly as possible. Many people were counting on getting this pandemic relief money deposited directly into their accounts before Christmas. It's unclear if that's going to happen. Hopefully the government will provide an update before the end of the week. Romina Dea, Global News. Well, working on Christmas is a reality for many people, but imagine spending it on the COVID-19 ward instead of with your family. That's what countless healthcare workers are doing this holiday season, and they hope pandemic scoff laws won't derail all the progress they've made. Jordan Armstrong brings us the frontline message and experience of one doctor in North Vancouver. If we screw this up over the holidays, you know, you can predict, well, then we're going to extend this stuff into January. He is a wife and four kids, but it won't be family first for Dr. Kevin McLeod on Christmas. This is the first priority. The COVID-19 ward at Lionsgate Hospital, where he's on call round the clock this week. He stresses, though, the heaviest burden is on the cleaning staff and nurses. I mean, the nurses are, like, amazing, right? The nurses do um, do 99% of the work. The vaccine and lower case numbers have brought positive energy to the exhausted ward in recent weeks. He hopes our collective holiday behavior maintains rather than extinguishes that. The doctor has this to say to families who claim they're following the rules but at the same time, searching for loopholes. Trying to look for loopholes, you want to be really careful, right? I've seen this many times where, where people have spread this, they've infected family members totally unknowingly. And they, they made very rational decisions in their head that, you know, we're low risk, we're not going to spread it. But, but people then turn up positive who were asymptomatic, and, and that leads to a problem. Death by COVID-19 can happen quickly. You have somebody who's doing fairly well and on a couple liters of oxygen and the next morning they, they've passed away. And it's not always the elderly. Earlier this year, a woman in her early 50s, a patient of McLeod's, waiting for a liver transplant, got the virus and died. Everybody is desperate to get out of this and back to some normal. Um, we're going to get there more quickly if, if people follow the advice. Um, and, and I think that's really what we need. We need to get back to some normal. And, and the quicker we get back to that, the better. But everybody's got to do their part to make that happen. 
These are the doctor's wishes for Christmas. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. Canada's top doctor says the new strain of COVID-19 found in the United Kingdom has not yet been detected in Canada. Dr. Theresa Tam says after analyzing 25,000 tests across the country, the coronavirus mutation hasn't been found here. She says ongoing analysis will target high probability samples from people who have recently traveled. It wouldn't surprise me that this variant is in, in many different countries. So I think that, um, you know, and it may become one of the more common um, strains. So, and we know how this virus transmits in sort of hidden ways. And so it's a possibility for sure. But, uh, you know, by having uh, a bit of lead time and getting ourselves set up, we will be able to detect it um, should it uh, appear in Canada. Dr. Tam says there is a focus on keeping the variant strain out of this country. The premiers of the two largest provinces, Ontario and Quebec, say the federal government needs to do more. But Ottawa says international travel accounts for less than 2% of all COVID cases in Canada. A limit on lift passes hasn't stopped an influx of people from heading up to the mountains. The past few sunny days have seen steady traffic on the roads up to Seymour and Cyprus, while in Whistler it looks like business as usual, just with more masks. Paul Johnson reports. With the best snowfall of the season so far blanketing Vancouver's local mountains, getting up to enjoy the bounty is a great idea. But what happens when everyone else has the same plan? Well, we came up to make a snowman, but by the time we got up in two hours of traffic, we found out that the snow was too cold and dry to make a snowman. Expectations were cut short for many who tried for fun on Cypress Mountain Tuesday. The local mountains were hit with a perfect storm of great conditions, kids out of school, and the expectation that months of planning and online reservation tools should have prevented the gridlock that happened on the way up and down. When we got within like four and a half kilometers of the parking lot, it was pretty standstill. Cypress told Global News Wednesday they expected the province would be helping control crowds with a promised day pass system based on prior reservations but that Victoria backed out on that just a couple of weeks ago. A government spokesman said they're advising people to check websites ahead of time about traffic, be patient, and stay local. The message is clear that um, people should stay local and only travel when it's essential, so we're sharing that message. In Whistler, Mayor Jack Crompton is echoing Dr. Bonnie Henry's call to enjoy winter sports, but do it locally. Though Mayor Crompton wouldn't venture to define what he considers to be his city's local boundaries. And Victoria so far has left it to British Columbians themselves to decide exactly what local means. Could that be a factor in this week's heavy mountain traffic? One much more obvious thing is that for many with young kids, our mountains are some of the only things still available to them this holiday season just trying to find some outdoor activities that we can do that are safe and keep our distance and still kind of create some memories and some traditions. Paul Johnson, Global News. Big White Resort near Kelowna is dealing with a double whammy for the holidays. The cluster of COVID cases at the resort has now grown to 96. Many of those are tied to on-mountain staff housing. At the same time, 
Big White has canceled all out-of-town reservations, but say visitors from across B.C. and from other provinces are still showing up to ski. Big White is designed to, to, for everyone to enjoy the resort. But at this time, it's time to play by the rule. If, if you're not a local, you shouldn't be here. Interior Health says 64 of those diagnosed have now recovered, while 32 people are still in isolation. Last week, Big White said it had fired a number of workers who violated the company's health guidelines and provincial health orders. Donations to the food bank are essential for so many families over the holidays. But who would want to cook with this? The donation mix-up from grocery stores who are supposed to be sending much better food on your behalf. Why there's a far better way to give in just over a minute. A speeding car on wet roads. What could possibly go wrong? Why Abbotsford police are sharing this security camera video coming up on the news hour. And what might just be the best way to rescue a deer from a frozen lake? All you have to do is push. That's coming up later on the news hour. Right now, though, grocery stores trying to make it easy for you to donate to the food bank with ready-made hampers that cost around $20. But a bit of a mix-up at one supermarket put the Greater Vancouver Food Bank in an awkward position because the donated items weren't very appetizing or nutritious. Grace Key shows us why there's a much better way to give. So this is another bag where we have leftover Halloween candy. Ever wonder what's in those brown paper bags at the grocery store that are donated to the food bank? Oh, it's even on sale. <laughs> 99 cents, it's on sale, what a bargain. This one has two bags of Halloween candy on sale for 99 cents each. Rice Krispie treats, $1.99. Cookies, Alphagettis, and light rye crackers. A customer donated $20 at the grocery store for all of this. This is an example of a of a $10 bag. It's linguine, corn, sardine paste, and kimchi instant noodles. The public are paying $10 at the till for the bag. The bag is coming to us, but there isn't the same value, obviously. I mean, as you can see, the value of what's here might be 5 or $6. The donations came from the IGA in West Vancouver. The owner says some of the items got mixed up and should have gone to a food reclaim organization. The food bank says this does raise public awareness on how to make the most out of your donations. $0.45 cents a pound is what I buy these for, and you can see they're just beautiful apples. You or I would spend at least $1.90 or $2 a pound. The Greater Vancouver Food Bank says the best way you can donate is through cash donations on their website, and they're able to make your money go a long way. All of this quality food, the food bank was able to buy for less than $10. But cash really works for, for the food bank. That's where we have the buying power. Uh, and that's where we can give the nutritious food that we want to give out. The Greater Vancouver Food Bank will no longer be accepting the brown bag donations after the new year, preferring see-through plastic bags. The West Vancouver IGA owner says he will be reaching out to the food bank to rectify the situation. Grace Key, Global News. A drug bust in Surrey has resulted in a significant seizure of cannabis products, including pot-infused potato chips. The products seized include 10 pounds of weed, oils, vape pens, a kilogram of cannabis butter, gummies, and three bags of THC potato chips. RCMP also seized MDMA and magic <clears throat> mushrooms. Four men were arrested and later released pending further investigation. The suspects are known to police and one of them has ties to the Lower Mainland.
BC's new education minister has appointed two special advisors to evaluate the school board in Chilliwack. The move follows a string of controversial comments made by board member Barry Newfeld, criticizing the province's SOGI curriculum, the LGBTQ community and the COVID pandemic and mask wearing. Minister Jennifer Whiteside has charged retired BC Supreme Court Justice Lynn Smith and former Surrey School and Superintendent Mike McKay with evaluating the board's commitment to a safe, inclusive and welcoming school system. Their findings expected by the end of February. And at the same time, the Education Ministry staff have also launched a review of the School Act. Crews have contained an early morning fire at an abandoned apartment building in New Westminster. Firefighters were called to 14th Street in Caribou just after 6.30 this morning. It's not clear how the fire began. The building was slated for demolition and crews launched a defensive attack to prevent the flames from jumping to neighboring homes. Eventually, the structure collapsed during the fire response. No injuries have been reported and the cause of the fire is under investigation. When the crews arrived, uh, they upgraded it to a first alarm assignment and uh, uh, quickly realized that the building was uh, fully involved on the interior. Being that it's a, a building slated for demolition, they took a defensive approach to the fire and uh, we're continuing to uh, protect the adjacent exposures uh, uh, around the uh, building. A number of roads were closed as crews worked to bring the fire under control. Coming up, sweet success for a local chocolate maker. Didn't think that I'd have to start over, but that's what happened. <laughs> he was on top of the world once until disaster hit. How COVID is helping him perfect his second act on the Sunshine Coast. And later, Trump issues pardons that have left his critics stunned. Or else the next... Upper Levels Highway eastbound, this is the back of the line. It is near Lonsdale, quite busy going all the way down through towards the cuts. All approaches to the Ironworkers Bridge eastbound are busy right now, people leaving the mountains, I assume. Uh, so prepare for a wait, whether you're taking this or the Lionsgate Bridge, and we're headed there next. A message from Canadian Blood Services, there's an immediate need for blood. Donor centers remain open throughout the pandemic. To provide essential products for patients in need, book now blood.ca in the AM in the Global One Above Highway 1. I'm Tim Main. Leave BC is brought to you by Pacific Blue Cross. Flexible small business health benefits for challenging times. A small chocolate business on the Sunshine Coast is booming during the pandemic in spite of almost going bankrupt at the start of the outbreak. As Aaron MacArthur reports, pivoting sales to the online world has meant the Half Moon Bay local artisan is opening up to the world. Just days before Christmas and the tempering kettle still spinning full speed. John Down and his team still pushing chocolate out the door of their Half Moon Bay kitchen. The local stores are, are doing gangbusters. <laughs> it's been a wild ride for Down, co-founder of Christopher Norman Chocolate. The next step is... Um, uh, the company started in New York. The boutique brand could be found in every upscale market across Manhattan. Martha Stewart even stumbled across it. A really, really wonderful... But 9-11 and health challenges forced change. That change took John home to BC and the Sunshine Coast. I didn't think 
that I'd have to start over, but that's what happened. <laughs> Things were going well until March. When the pandemic hit, customer accounts evaporated. Chocolate seemed like an indulgence no one had time for. So I was like, oh my goodness, what's go are we going to lose it all again? The brand needed to pivot. With the help of the B.C. government's food business refresh program, the focus went online. Sales on the website are up nearly 300%. Right now, about 90% of our orders come from the States. Um, so we want to try to get a broader reach in Canada. And Despite the setbacks, Christopher Norman Chocolate might even be ahead of where they expected to be by the end of the year. A small business forced to find a new way to stay afloat and in the end, succeeding in ways they never thought possible. I'm going to eat this. So. Oh, please, go for it. <laughs> Global News. Looks delicious. Good assignment. Still ahead, seniors get a Christmas surprise. Oh, look at it. All these kids making Christmas cards for us. The special delivery from elementary students making spirits bright. And a drifting car turns an Abbotsford restaurant into a drive-thru. Can you help catch the driver? Police on scene directing traffic at Taylor Way Marine Drive in West Vancouver. Approaching the Lionsgate Bridge, it's very busy, slower or quieter rather from the Capilano side, so take that if you can. Kermac Collision and Auto Glass provides no-cost windshield chip repairs with your insurance coverage. And Kermac donates 100% of their income from chip repairs through Kermac Cares for Kids. In Global One above West Vancouver, I'm Tim Maine. Abbotsford police are looking for a suspect in this hit and run at a downtown eatery. Surveillance video from December 19th shows a dark sedan skidding sideways down Montrose Avenue. The vehicle then drives up onto the curb, slamming into the patio of Nine Kitchen and Lounge. Anyone with information is being asked to contact police. As Canadians get ready to spend the holidays with immediate family, we're being asked to spare a thought for the two Michaels who remain imprisoned in China. Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig will be spending their third Christmas in custody. A campaign has been launched to write and send Christmas cards to the two men, a gesture that will mean the world to them, according to a B.C. man who spent two years locked up in a Chinese prison. I really feel for the two Michaels. Uh, they'll be thinking, of course, a family of Christmas's past and wanting the same thing again, but they won't be able to have it. So I'm praying and hoping that they, at least the government will allow them to have a call or something with their family. The Chinese government has consistently linked the fate of the two Canadians to its demands that Huawei CFO Meng Wanzhou be released. President Donald Trump has given a major gift to some of his crooked friends and associates, a presidential pardon. He's issued more than 20 pardons and commutations this week alone. They include Jared Kushner's father, two people convicted in the Mueller Russia investigation, former campaign aide George Papadopoulos and lawyer Alex Vanderswan. Both pleaded guilty to lying. Former members of Congress convicted of corruption charges have been given get-out-of-jail-free cards. They were among the first to endorse candidate Trump. And four former Blackwater contractors convicted of killing 17 unarmed civilians in Baghdad in 2007 have also been pardoned. 
Well, over the last 24 hours, the U.S. has reported 3,401 COVID-19 deaths. Despite the soaring fatality numbers, hospitalizations and infections, many Americans are still hitting the road and getting on planes this holiday season. Officials estimate. Some 80 million Americans are expected to head somewhere for Christmas or New Year's. We're just going to spend time, see my grandparents, my cousins. We're going to Chicago to visit my mom for Christmas. Compared to a year ago, far fewer people are traveling by air. But with less flights available, the planes are often full. For COVID, that was just too close for comfort. I couldn't move hardly. Here in New York, officials are also concerned about overseas travelers following the discovery of a new, more infectious coronavirus strain. Governor Andrew Cuomo called on the federal government to take action. To do nothing. When you know the virus is coming here, when you say it may already be here, it's just the greatest failure to do one's job. Today, the Department of Health and Human Services announced a new deal with Pfizer to secure another 100 million doses of its COVID-19 vaccine. That's in addition to the 100 million Pfizer has already agreed to provide. It was even less of a feeling than the flu shot. Dr. Anthony Fauci believes if the vaccination effort goes according to plan, life could start to return to normal by the summer. We could have 70 to 85 percent of the population vaccinated. When that occurs, there will be an umbrella of protection over the entire country that their level of virus will be so low that you will essentially been able to establish herd immunity. Dr. Fauci said he hopes big events like weddings can safely resume by July. Elise Preston, CBS News, New York. In health matters tonight, being a new parent is difficult, even at the best of times. And while sleepless nights and countless dirty diapers are expected, the extreme isolation now being experienced by some new parents can take a real toll on their mental health. Global's Caitlin Wilson reports. Okay. <gasps> okay. When Cynthia Sanders found out she was pregnant with her son Malcolm last August, she was thrilled. We had been trying for so long. I had this vision of how I would spend my mat leave and what I would do. You know, I had visions of travel and, you know, having mom's brunches. Fast forward several months later, and Sanders would come to face obstacles she never dreamed of. Not only was little Malcolm born 11 weeks premature, but a global-wide pandemic would force this new mom into isolation. New parents are just not getting that um, support from other parents. And that me too part of parenthood where you're, you're all up at 2 a.m. and you're all feeding these babies and, and that solidarity with parents is, is missing. And it's taking a toll on mental health. A recent study shows that prior to the pandemic, 29% of moms said they experienced anxiety, while 15% said they experienced symptoms of depression. But during the pandemic, those numbers nearly tripled, with 72% reporting symptoms of anxiety and 41% experiencing depression. It's a number that should be alarming. We know that untreated mental health uh, complication has a direct impact on early childhood development. And, and that's something that we're trying to close the gap in and, and raise awareness for. When they say it takes a village to raise a child, it is true. And we did it and he's still here and he's doing well. But that is something I think that for the parents that we've, we've missed out on. Caitlin Wilson, Global News. 
Seniors living in Surrey's Arborside Court have reason to smile after receiving handmade Christmas cards from school-aged children. You're not alone. Merry Christmas. The messages of love coming from several elementary schools is bringing comfort and joy to those living in isolation. Some of the kids have even offered gifts to all the residents of Arborside Court. The, the fact that kids realize you're not alone and that they need to reach out uh, and that there's nothing wrong with being young or being old, but we're all together in this world and we care for each other. Staff say all the cards and packages have been isolated and sanitized before being handed out. Great story. Way to go, kids. And thank you, Tanya, for reaching out. She's the manager. Told us about that story. All right, still ahead, if you're missing family time, why not fake it? Fake Joanne gets the nice Christmas dinner, and I have to make my own Christmas dinner. My huh. first reaction was that it's a little bit creepy. How one woman is making it a mannequin Christmas to feel closer to her kids. And with a dog trapped in a burning barn, the brave firefighter who got him out. Dramatic video to show you out of Pennsylvania, a firefighter running into a burning barn. The amazing rescue was captured on his helmet camera. What's his name? A dog was trapped in one of the rooms. The firefighter calls from the window, but the dog was too scared and backed away. So he ripped off the window with his hands, pulling out the glass and the frame until he could climb inside. Still unable to convince the dog to jump out of the window, he picked him up and lifted him to safety. The dog happily running through the snow to his very thankful owner. All right, this is maybe not quite as dramatic, but it is a daring deer rescue in Wisconsin. The would-be rescuer was on his way home for lunch when he spotted a deer struggling out in the middle of a frozen reservoir. He ran home, grabbed a leash, and called a friend to lend him a hand, but he soon realized the leash wasn't going to work, so he got hands-on, literally pushing the deer to safety while his friend whipped out a phone and recorded the whole thing, as you do, including the deer hightailing it back into the woods across the tracks. Those hooves have, like, no tread on them. There's no. It's that, right? famous, it's that famous Bambi scene in the movie Bambi. Poor there's, little one. <laughs> he's safe now. Mm -hmm. And there's Yvonne to talk about that incredible sunrise. Is that a picture of that right now? Yeah, we've got tons of photos, actually. It was equally, equally as gorgeous out there with the sunset this evening. But a few to share if you were up early enough this morning. Port Coquitlam, this one was captured by John. In Ruskin, gorgeous out there, spectacular in Abbotsford, so thank you so much, Jag. And another gorgeous shot, this one in Vernon, so thank you so much, Tony. We are seeing dry conditions. It was beautiful, pleasant through the day today. Temperatures are sitting at 2. We've got a very calm wind with the clear skies and the calm wind, though. We've got that fog developing overnight so a heads up fog overnight and for the morning hours and with the wind chill minus three is going to feel closer to minus seven and with the wind chill for the morning hours it'll feel like minus five so do bundle up the fog is going to dissipate as we get closer towards the noon hour and we've got temperatures bumping up to five degrees different different weather picture though along the northern half of the province we've got active weather with a significant amount of snow inland and then we are going to track a change on the way across the south coast but that'll be for our christmas day so we've got warnings that are in effect red is where we're seeing the wind warnings, the snow inland, 40 and up to 65 centimeters. It develops this evening and intensifies through the day tomorrow. 
10 and up to 20 centimeters will be for areas near Williston, Bulkley Valley, and the lakes included within that. Also a snowfall warning just for one of the mountain passes. That's along the Pine Pass, 10 and up to 20 centimeters by tomorrow night. All other mountain passes, though, uh, with partly cloudy skies and dry conditions. So blustery, though, along the northern half of the province, especially through the day for tomorrow. A few flurries will pop up across the central interior. Much of the southern interior breaks for the afternoon. A chilly one. We'll see the wind chill in the minus double digits for the early morning hours. And along the south coast, it'll be chilly for us. We are going to see that fog tomorrow morning. Sunshine for the afternoon. Bit of a blip for Christmas. Could be some showers. Heavier rainfall, though, will be on Saturday for Boxing Day and then rebounding on our Sunday. Another gorgeous shot I had to. Central windows, weather window. This one, Mount Baker, captured by Anne. Guys? Beautiful. Thanks, Yvonne. Colors. Wow. All right, uh, Squire is standing by right now to talk about uh, what's coming up in sports. Are we, are we hopeful for the start of the season or what? Well, I mean, okay, I'll look at it purely from a sports guy point of view. I'd like to see the Canucks play their home games in Vancouver. Yep. It's not up to me, but if it was, well, you know my answer. Uh, the Canucks schedule, though, is out today, and that means more games than ever against teams like Montreal and Toronto. Into the middle, Horvath shot, side of the net, score! And a lot of times in this schedule, the Canucks will be playing teams at home or away three times in a row. Also tonight, Merry Mannequin Christmas. One woman's crazy idea to feel closer to family in these COVID times. Happy Festivus, Squire. Oh, that's right. Is it the area of grievances? I've got a lot of problems with you people, and now yes. you're going to hear about them. <laughs> and then Uh-oh. the feats of strength As Frank after dinner. Yes, the feats, <laughs> the feats of strength. We need an aluminum pole here, though. I find tinsel distracting. I still love that line. Uh, we uh, still don't know where they will play their home games, but the Canucks know their schedule now. And if they were to play all their home games at Rogers Arena, in a lot of cases, teams that travel to Vancouver will play two or three straight games before they leave. Example, in January, Vancouver plays three straight against Montreal at home and three straight against Ottawa at home. And the Canucks will start the season on the road with two straight in Edmonton and then two straight games in Calgary. Now, it's a good way to do it. And the regular season will end on May the 8th for the Canucks. So here's how it breaks down for Vancouver. They'll play their Western rivals one more game than they play Winnipeg and the team's out east, but it's all Canada this year. Now, the uh, Canucks made some coaching staff changes today. Chris Higgins, who played five and a half years with the Canucks, is moving up to be Vancouver's skills and development coach. Before today, he was the uh, Canucks assistant director of player development. Another promotion has gone to Jason King. He moves up from the farm team in Utica to become one of Travis Green's assistants as well. Now, Jason King played 55 games with the Canucks from 2002 to 2004. He was part of the short-lived but memorably named Mattress Line, one of the best nicknames in Canucks history. Why the Mattress Line? Because it was two twins and a king, Henrik and Daniel Sedin and Jason King. It was a thing for a short while, then it fizzled out, and the Mattress Line was put to bed once and for all. I couldn't resist. Uh, Nikita Kucherov will not play at all in the upcoming regular season for the Tampa Bay Lightning because he needs hip surgery. Now, he might be back for the playoffs, and that, of course, is a tragedy for the Stanley Cup champs because he is their best player. However, there is a silver lining in this. 
With him on the sidelines all year and his big contract off the books, at least for the regular season, the Lightning don't have to make as many drastic changes to get underneath the salary cap, although there is word they are still trying to make a trade or two to shave off even more salary. Canucks prospect Vasily Podkolzin and Russia against Canada in an exhibition game for the upcoming World Junior Hockey Tournament. Chance for the Canadians right there, but Jacob Pelche hits the post and it does not go in. This is Pod Colson. One day he might do this with a Canuck uniform on. He's making moves. But a nice save by Devin Levi. Only goal this game in the third period. Jamie Drysdale, Ducks prospect. Perfect shot. Sneaks that one all the way through. Gives Canada a 1-0 lead. Bad news for Canada, the captain. Kirby Doc, I don't know what happens here. It looks innocent enough, but he clearly has hurt his hand. He's having x-rays tonight. We'll know tomorrow just how bad or not so bad it is. Hopefully it's not so bad. Chance here for the Russians. Yegor Chinnikov stopped by Levi, who made all the saves he had to woo. Pod Colson takes friendly fire there and gets leaned on by Bowen Byram. I think he's okay. Levi celebrates the shutout. And Canada has a pretty good goalie to start the tournament. What I like about his game, he was, he was composed, uh, was confident. He uh, made it look, uh, did not make it look tougher than it was. Yeah, he did not complicate his game. Uh, he made our team play uh, with confidence. So he was, he was solid. Troubled wide receiver Josh Gordon still can't play for the Seattle Seahawks because the NFL is not satisfied. He has followed all the terms of reinstatement after he was suspended for substance abuse issues. Gordon has been with the Seahawks, but not practicing yet. Well, we're not able to comment about any of it really other than to say that he's, he's still in the, uh, the um, coming in, working out with our trainers and, and getting his work done conditioning-wise. We'll, we'll re, uh, you know, revisit it again next week. Uh, certainly disappointed not to have him um, for his sake and for a lot of things, but uh, um, we'll, we'll stay with it and we'll see what happens next week. And the Raptors have lost their first game of the regular season. They're playing down in Tampa Bay. That's their home right now, 113.99 to New Orleans. All right. All right. Thanks, Squire. Here's Sarah McDonald now with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11. Sarah? Thanks, guys. Coming up at 11, a Christmas wish granted. A young terminally ill BC man and his family get a night to remember at the PNE. Plus, more on the COVID-19 outlook and a reason to be cautiously optimistic heading into the new year. That's all coming up tonight at 11 o'clock. See you then. All right. Thanks, Sarah. No gatherings? No problem. A BC family's plan to fake it for this year's Christmas dinner. Next. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
facing a holiday season impacted by the pandemic and social distancing rules, a Chilliwack family has come up with a novel idea. Yeah, even the daughter admitted it sounded a little creepy at first, but it is a way to be together for Christmas dinner, even though they have to be apart. Kylie Stanton has the story. Presents are wrapped under the tree and the halls are decked. I started setting up in the middle of November already. Uh, I was anxious to just bring about some cheer. Now, with only one day to go, all that's left to do is set the table. There we go. But despite the traditional centerpiece and festive plate settings, Christmas dinner in the Esau household is going to look a little different this year. Our kids uh, decided that it wasn't possible for them to come here, of course, and with having to stick with the rules, we're trying to do our part. Earlier this month, the provincial health officer's restrictions were extended through the holiday season, meaning gatherings must be limited to an immediate household or core bubble. Celebrate and be close to those that you love, that you care about in a virtual way that keeps everybody safe. But for Esau, virtual. But this is just like as if they're here. Wasn't going to cut it. Just quieter. And so she got creative. Let me introduce you to my family. This is uh, Ben. And this is Tanner, he's five. And this is our daughter, Joanne. And this is our youngest grandson, uh, Luke, he's three. Blowing up photos, cutting them out, then attaching them to clothing in their seats at the table. This is our usual position. It's almost like the real thing, maybe even with a couple of perks. Yeah, let's clean up. <laughs> but not everyone is laughing. Don't let this smile fool you. This will be the first year that I have to make turkey and the stuffing myself. Usually my mom does it. So yeah, I'm a little, little ripped off that fake Joanne. But the holidays are a time for forgiveness. Merry Christmas, Nan and Papa. And this year, it's important for us all to remember, this is not forever, it's just for now. These replacements and a little technology will have to do. When they'll be opening up their gifts at home, we'll be watching on yeah. FaceTime. The more people following their lead, the sooner we'll all be back to our seats at the dinner table. In the meantime, this is what making the most out of the situation we're in looks like. I just hope everybody has a safe time and um, a joyous and a Merry Christmas. Kylie Stanton, Global News. And so sweet. fewer family arguments at the dinner table. <laughs> That's right. Nobody talking back to you. <laughs> uh, we're going to be taking a bit of a break, too. Not well, back until after Christmas. <laughs> we are. So you guys going? Air, yeah, air hugs going. to you guys. Uh, uh, see, Squire, we should have told you earlier. That's uh, okay. Don't I don't mind. Upset. No, I, I don't mind. Merry Christmas. Thank you. I, Merry Christmas to you. <laughs> Merry Christmas and, and Happy New Year, and thanks for trusting us uh, all year long. We appreciate it. Good night, everyone. Have a good night. I'll see you guys in Christmas. <laughs> you bet. You bet.